your Bible to Luke chapter 1 this evening, okay? This is actually our last Wednesday night service of 2022. Um, we will not have Wednesday night next week uh, because we're having the service on Friday night. Uh, so we'll not be meeting next Wednesday night. And uh, Awana is wrapping up for the semester tonight. And um, I know Claire was extremely excited about the Awana store tonight. Um, and then, and then the Sunday, the Wednesday night following um, Christmas, uh, we're going to be having the uh, the fun night, uh, the uh, New Year's blast on that particular night at the Skate World Sports World Skate Center in uh, Vinemont. Uh, Luke chapter one, and we're going to be looking at verse number five. Uh, everybody, just say Amen for me. Okay, maybe they heard that on live stream, okay? Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure everybody's awake and ready to go, all right? It's been a gloomy day today, hasn't it? Just a messy, rainy day. Um, but that'll, that'll soon pass, and the sun will once again shine. In Luke chapter 1, I, I want to give us some things to think about tonight. And the title of my lesson tonight is when God doesn't seem to be listening. And we've all experienced that from time to time. And uh, certainly, uh, the individuals in our, in our text tonight uh, knew what that felt like. And it wasn't just, a, wasn't just, was God listening today or was God listening this week? It was over a, a period of a number of years. And let me, let me just open up with explaining some historical context uh, as, as things begin to unfold here in Luke chapter 1. Because everything is leading up to Luke chapter 2, which of course is the birth of Christ. But there's some things that are taking place leading up to that, that Luke mentions to us. Uh, the historical context is that it was a very dark period in the history of the people of Israel. Uh, the Old Testament concluded with the book of Malachi. And Malachi had promised the coming of Elijah. But it was some 400 years earlier before the Lord speaks again. And there had been no prophetic word during that time. There had been no vision and there had been no message given. I had just mentioned that there was 430 years from the time that Israel went down to Egypt to the time that they got out of Egypt. I just mentioned that when we were studying some things in Exodus. And in comparison, our nation is so much younger than that, right? 400 years is a long time. At the, uh, at the close of the Old Testament, Israel was separated in two great divisions. The mass of the nation remained dispersed throughout the Persian Empire. And a remnant, chiefly of the tribe of Judah, were allowed by Cyrus to return to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel, a, a prince of the, the uh, Davidic family. And uh, they were accompanied by the survivors of the priests and Levites, and they were allowed to rebuild the temple and reestablish temple worship. Now we read about all those things 
uh, primarily think about Ezra and Nehemiah. We also think about Zechariah and, and Haggai. And uh, so there were some things taking place then. They, they remained under Persian rule for about a hundred years after the close of the Old Testament canon. And in 333 B.C., Syria was conquered by Alexander the Great and was swallowed up by his empire, the Greek Empire. And when his kingdom was broken up, Judea once again was caught in the middle of battles between Syria and Egypt and was eventually ruled by the kings of Egypt until 198 B.C. And that year, Judea was conquered by Antiochus the Great and annexed to Syria. And it was then that the land was divided into five provinces. Uh, look, in, look in Luke chapter 3 in verse number 1. This, this shows up later. But here you will, you'll see those five provinces in Luke 3 verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, there's one. Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, there's two. His brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria in the region of Trachonitis, that's three and four. And Lysanias, the, the tetrarch of Abilene. There's, there's five provinces that are mentioned during this time. So in 63 B.C., Pompey and his Roman army conquered Judea and Jerusalem. And after Julius Caesar defeated Pompey, he made Antipater the Idumean procurator of Judea. And Antipater appointed his son Herod to become governor of Galilee. And so following the murder of Julius Caesar following his assassination, disorder ensued in Judea. So Herod fled to, from, from Judea to Rome, where he was later appointed king of the Jews in 40 B.C. And we'll read of him in just a moment in our text here in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5. And although he was responsible for re renovating the temple... Herod the Great was a tyrant whose entire reign was marked by bloodshed. We, we recognize that from what happened following the wise men uh, not returning from Bethlehem after they had seen the newborn king. And so Herod the Great had sent to Bethlehem and had every child under the age of two murdered. It was also during this period that the two great religious sects of the Pharisees and Sadducees gained power. And so it was upon this backdrop that Israel found itself under Roman rule, anxiously awaiting the coming of the Messiah. I like to read all of that, and I like to give you all of that, because that is history, bits and pieces of history, and you see how all of that is interwoven into uh, the, the scriptures. So for 400 years, there was a deafening silence from God. And so the question would become, is God even listening anymore? You're waiting on a revelation. You don't have the, the Bible. You don't have the entire word of God. You don't have the New Testament for sure. You do have the prophets and the, and the scriptures 
but where is the Lord leading things? And so I want us to read tonight verses 5 through 25 just to get your understanding of what's taking place. And I want to comment on these, on these passages this evening. So let's begin reading in verse 5, okay? There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Boy, that's an important statement. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make, ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife was well stricken in years." And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Let's stop and we'll pray right there. Father, I, I pray tonight that you'll gather our attention upon your word. And I believe tonight that I've got some things to say that is very helpful. And as we look in the scriptures and we see different things about you and your interaction with your people, I pray that you'll minister to our hearts tonight. Now, I also pray for our teenagers tonight. They're having a good time with their Christmas party and they're gathering together and, and fellowship and doing all sorts of fun activities. And I pray that they enjoy themselves this evening. And uh, Lord, that you would continue to increase uh, our, our teenagers with a spirit, a right spirit that comes from you. And then I pray also for our children tonight as they wrap up in Awana. 
I know Claire was excited about saying seven, uh, her seven final verses tonight. And I, I know the other children, they're always excited about getting to Awana, seeing their friends, and growing in your word. And I pray you'll bless them this evening. Uh, all that they have going on. Also, are those being discipled, those in the nursery. God, have your perfect way tonight. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, turn your Bible to Malachi chapter 4. Okay, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so obviously it's before Matthew. While everyone was eagerly anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, Luke opened his gospel writing with the announcement of the coming of the messenger. And uh, prophetically, the Messiah could not come until the messenger came. And so look in the last two verses of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And there the Bible tells us, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, if you'll go back to Luke chapter 1, and you need to hold your place in Luke 1 tonight, I, I want you to look back to verse 17. Because there, the angel Gabriel testified of this coming messenger. Luke 1 verse 17. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient unto the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So who is this we're talking about? It is John the Baptist. That's who we're going to know as John the Baptist. And so Gabriel is speaking of the child that Elizabeth and Zacharias are going to have. And that is, he's coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, this wonderful message of good news was delivered to a certain priest named Zacharias. And that is that the Lord remembered him. Now, verse 5 tells us that he belonged to the family of Abijah. It says there, a certain priest named uh, Zacharias of the course of Abijah. Okay? So hold your place here, uh, and I want you to go back to 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 24. And that is in your Old Testament before you get to Psalms. And I always think of Psalms as being in the middle of your Bible. So it's in the first part of your Bible, 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and verse number 1. And I just want to hi highlight some things here uh, to, to you tonight. Look in, look in verse 1. Um, it says, These are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore Eleazar and Ithamar executed the priest's office. And David distributed them, both Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech of the sons of Ithamar, according to the offices and their services. And there were more chief men found of the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar. And thus were they divided. Among the sons of Eleazar there were sixteen chief men of the house of their fathers, and eight among the sons of Ithamar, according to the house of their fathers. Thus were they divided by lot, one sort with another, for the governors of the sanctuary and governors of the house of God, 
and were the sons of Eleazar and of the sons of Ithamar. So they were in charge of taking care of things in the temple. All right? So I want you, they start mentioning him, verse 7, the first lot came forth to Jehoiarab, the second, and they go all the way down to, 20, uh, to 24 of them. In verse number 10, you see the seventh to Hakeaz and the eighth to Abijah. And so that is Zacharias's ancestor. And so if you look down to verse 19, these were the orderings of them and their service to come into the house of the Lord according to their manner under Aaron the father as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. So on a weekly basis, they had a responsibility as it rotated to serve in the temple. So go back to Luke chapter 1, and I want us to look at verses 8 and 9. Because according to those verses, Zacharias was in Jerusalem at the time fulfilling his responsibility in the temple. It says in Luke 1 verse 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God, in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so to burn incense was the loftiest loftiest of priestly functions. And according to Exodus chapter 30 and verses 7 and 8, it was offered twice daily. And so the altar of incense was located in the area designated as the holy place inside the temple. So Zacharias would enter the holy place, he would place the incense upon the burning coals upon the altar, and there he would make intercession for the people. If you look in verse number 10, the people were praying in the sanctuary of the temple outside of the holy place. So Zacharias is in there, they are all outside, and that is why they're waiting for him, but it's taken him quite a while to come back out, and they begin to, uh, to become concerned. In, 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 so so the, the people were uh, praying in the sanctuary of the temple outside of the holy place, and on the right side between the altar of incense and the table of showbread, if you can picture this, Gabriel suddenly appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. And in verse 12, Zacharias was troubled and afraid when he saw him. And so he delivers a message in verse 13 to quickly dispel those fears, saying, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Boy, it's one thing for an angel to suddenly appear, isn't it? But then the message is, I've heard your prayer. And my question would be, what prayer are you talking about, right? But it's a big prayer that they have been praying. You go back to verse 5, at the end of verse 5, you see that Zacharias was married to Elizabeth. And, uh, and also in verse number 7, we see her problem is that she had no child because she was barren. And they both now at this time, they're old, they're well stricken in years, the time for children had now passed. But for a long time, they had sought God for a child. And obviously, up to this point, the Lord did not answer. In verse 25, Elizabeth considered this a reproach among men. 
to be childless. So it was something that was very heavy upon her. We can think of Sarah and Abraham as well. And so it's a very difficult time. It's a very difficult situation. They're now old and uh, still, still they have no children. But they had accepted the fact that they could not. And yet now, after all this time when they'd given up on their hopes and dreams, Gabriel was sent by God to stand before Zacharias with glad tidings. So let's, let's begin reading where it says, Thy prayer was heard in verse 13. So he says, Thy prayer, thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. So I believe tonight all of us have experienced moments when we've prayed earnestly for God to meet a need, for him to fulfill a desire, or to reveal to us his will in our lives, and it simply seems that he doesn't care and doesn't want to answer. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, Hannah was praying for a child. You remember that? Uh, her husband Elkanah. And she had prayed many years for a son. It was taunted by another for her lack to have children. But it was when she was willing to surrender her dearest treasure that God would provide. Turn, turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. <coughs> would you do that? Daniel chapter 10 in the Old Testament. And uh, look with me in uh, uh, verse number, two. we'll start at verse number 2. I think of this scripture quite often in my prayer life. And Daniel 10 Verse 2, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, sometimes we talk about praying and fasting. Three whole weeks is a long time to be praying and fasting. That's how serious he is about the matter. And he's needing for God to hear him. Verse 4, And the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is, which is Hittical, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polish brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. If you saw that, you too would be afraid. Amen. And he says in verse 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, 
And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. There's spiritual battles taking place. There's spiritual warfare taking place. All of us want our prayer answered by the time we say amen. All of us want that. And I think that's rightly so. But Keelan, what if I were to tell you your prayer has already been heard? There's just spiritual battles that take place. That Jesse, your, your, your prayer has already been heard. It may take three weeks. It may take a long time. And it's important to you and you're crying out to God. And you think God's not hearing and God's not listening. But we see in Daniel chapter 10, God heard it, God heard it the first time you prayed. it. But there's, there are things going on that we cannot see. All of us can say that. There's been times in my life where I've locked myself up in a church, sat there in the auditorium and just laid down on the floor, and I've cried and I've prayed and I've begged God to answer, and God would not, seemingly would not answer, and nothing would happen, and it would take a long period of time before I saw God come through and answer. So I said all of that to get to our main points tonight. And we're going to quickly look at them. And that is, what is our responsibility during those times where the Lord doesn't seem to be listening? Because sometimes when that happens, we get to a place where we're prone to say, what's the use? God doesn't doesn't care. God's not hearing. What's the point of keep praying? What's the point of keep going to church? What's the point of getting in my Bible God's not answering my prayer that I prayed 10 minutes ago, right? Uh, God's God's not answering my prayer that I've been praying. It's such a burden that I'm carrying, and God doesn't seem to be listening to that. Well, what is my responsibility? Because it certainly isn't that I need to just quit and return to the world, as we've been studying the Israelites often wanted to do in the book of Exodus. Well, number one, we must remain faithful in our testimony. Let's go back to our text in Luke 1. When God's not listening, we need to remain faithful in our testimony that we're going to continue to serve the Lord no matter what. Daniel continued to fast and pray for three weeks until he heard from the Lord. Hannah prayed and sought the Lord and was Wanting, asking for a son that she could give back for the Lord's service. All of those things. Look in verse number 6. So we find Zacharias here. What, is, what, is, what are they doing? Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were both 
righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. The most important thing in their personal life was to not only have a godly marriage, but was to have children. And the Lord would not give them children. She was childless. But they did not stop being faithful and did not stop serving the Lord. They were both righteous before God. They stuck to the word of God and they remained blameless before the Lord. Their testimony always honored the one that they believed in and served. And secondly, we must remain faithful to our duties. In verse number 8, it says that it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. And then in verse number 11, it was there that, the, that, he appeared unto, that there appeared unto him an angel. My thought, Mark, is this. What if he called in sick that day? You know? What if, what if John, what if it was the one service that you said, I just would rather not go tonight. I just would rather stay at home tonight. What if, what if we would have missed that and not been faithful in our responsibilities, our duties, and God had something just for you he had a messenger just for you with a message just for you. It was, it was while he was in the temple taking care of his responsibility for that time that the Lord sent the messenger. Just because life isn't going like it should and just because it feels as though God isn't answering, we still have the responsibility to continue living our lives for the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. My, uh, somebody asked me this recently. Of the uh, most impactful men uh, spiritually in my life, of course, Pastor Lewis ranks right up there. There was a guy by the name of uh, Jim Lentz who had a huge impact on my preaching and my desire to serve the Lord. And uh, I think I've told you this before. He once, I was, I was talking to him about what God's will for my life was. Uh, at that time, I was not called to preach. Um, I just wanted to serve the Lord. And uh, I, I never saw myself as possibly being a preacher. And he sat me down and he simply said, You'll never find the will of God sitting around waiting for it you will always find it on the road to duty. So rather than just quitting and sitting still and saying, I'm not going to do it until God answers, just get after it and let God show you along the way. Do what you know you're supposed to do. David and Moses were called when taking care of their sheep. Gideon was called while threshing wheat. Peter and his partners were mending their nets when Jesus called them. Warren Wiersbe said... It's difficult to steer a car while the engine is not running. When we get busy, God starts to direct us. So think about that next time you crank your engine. Now, Zacharias recognized the Lord's answer to his prayer was humanly impossible. And until, unlike Mary who asked concerning the virgin birth, 
How can this be? Zacharias seeks a sign to be given in verse 18. He says, whereby shall I know this? Give me a sign. We should be careful what we ask for. Because in verse 19 and 20, Gabriel provides him a sign. And that is that he would not speak until all was fulfilled. I imagine Elizabeth thought it was the most wonderful time nine months in her life. Perhaps. According to verse 62, it appears that he may have been made deaf as well. And they made signs. Look at verse 62. And they made signs to his father after John was born how he would have, have, how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. I bet you didn't know sign languages in the Bible, right? They made signs to him. So he is, but I I want you to think about this. And we're going to wrap up here. His lack of faith removed his opportunity to testify of the greatness of God. When he exited that temple, he could not speak. And everybody knew God did something to him in that temple. But he couldn't tell anybody. He was silent. And how terrible would that be to have in your heart that you can't, you have nobody to tell? Right? And that was simply because he didn't believe. He, he says, well, give me, give me something that I know what you're telling me is true. Give me a sign that I know what you're telling me is true. I mean, God just gave him a message. A heavenly message from an angel that caused him to be afraid when he set eyes on him. And yet he's saying, prove it to me. Prove it. His lack of faith removed his opportunity to testify of the greatness of God. So let's, let's don't lose our faith. Let's just believe that with God all things are possible. Amen. So as he completed his priestly duties, he went back home a changed man. He went back home as one who had hope in God. And Elizabeth praised the Lord for his goodness. And I often wonder how they might describe those nine months of waiting. We don't don't see what happened. But those nine wonderful expecting months that God had heard them and answered their prayer. And it was a miracle. So here are three takeaways. The Lord is listening even when he is not answering. You get that? The Lord is listening when you're praying even when he is not answering. And the second one, God works everything out in his own time. Can I get amen there? It's his time. God doesn't bow to our schedule. We don't see all of the spiritual battles. We don't know all of the pieces of the puzzle that's got to be in its proper place. God works everything out in his own time. And number three, our faithfulness should be based on our love for God, not the answers from God. Our faithfulness should be based on our love for the Lord, that it's authentic, that it is genuine, 
We love him simply because he first loved us. It's not based upon if God does this for me, then I will love him. If God does this for me, then I will follow him. If God does this for me, then I will serve him. Our faithfulness is based on our love for the Lord, not on the answers that we receive. That is the example that Zacharias and Elizabeth offered us. Even though it seemed like God never heard them, God was always listening. And he answered at the right time. Father, I pray tonight that what is said is helpful to everyone that is present tonight. And uh, Lord, that you would use it to be an encouragement. Lord, you call us to pray. As Christians, we are to pray. We are to ask, we're to ask, we're to seek, we're to knock. And we know that if we ask according to your will, that we have the petitions that are needed. And we're told in the scriptures that we are, that we can, through, through Christ, we can come boldly unto the throne and ask for grace in time of need. Lord, we understand that. We are to pray without ceasing. Our prayer life is a vital part of our daily life. It's a vital part of our worship. and It's a part of our testimony. And Lord, we realize and we understand that there are many times where we're praying and we are an impatient people. And we always look for the instantaneous. We always want things quickly. And we recognize tonight that everything doesn't always work on your timetable and or our timetable. And there are times where we're seeking and we're asking and we're knocking and we're seeking and we're asking and we're knocking and we keep coming back and we keep coming back and it just seems like you're not there, you're not listening. But we see many examples through the scriptures that you do hear. And you are working everything out according to your will, according to your word. You're not going to go contrary to your will and your word, no matter how much we want it. And I pray that you'll help all of us tonight to be submissive to you, to surrender ourselves to you, to surrender our will, surrender the timing of it all, to the, all of the circumstances that we cannot see, all of the spiritual battles that are taking place that are being fought on our behalf. Lord, let us recognize tonight the need for us to be faithful to you, to love you, to worship you. Because of Christ, because of salvation, because of eternal hope that is found in the gift of life that came through your Son. We've already been given that. And help us, Lord, not to put regulations, restrictions upon our willingness to be faithful and serve to you, that it is dependent upon whether or not you will bow down to us. Help us to be surrendered, surrendered our will to yours. And may you do things in a beautiful way that maybe even when we get to a place and we've lost all hope, we see the mighty hand and wonderful power of our God come through for us and we can praise you and just say, God did that for me. 
I pray this in the name of Jesus tonight. Amen. Amen. We'll be dismissed tonight.